right, welcome back to the Hall Pass Podcast. Today, we have a very special episode for you. Uh, We're going to be getting into the miscellaneous secrets to college admissions. Uh, So beyond the college essays, things that you may or may not know what colleges might be looking for in your application and beyond. Uh, So that's what we're going to talk about today. And very, very excited to, to kind of bring this out to you guys um, in terms of information and using our own experiences and expertise with our students uh, in the years that we've been working uh, in college admissions, I think is a great way to kind of talk to you guys about different types of important uh, miscellaneous secrets. Um, So yeah, welcome back to all of my boys again. Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so good. I feel like we all need an intro like that. <laughs> like someone, you guys need to come up with your own little intro. like Heavy D and Fat Albert. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. All right. So what you may know about college admissions and the college um, admissions process uh, is that colleges are going to be obviously looking into your GPA, your test scores, and extracurricular activities, the big three, right? These are things you know. I'm not going to really delve into this. We're not going to take time delving into this because a lot of our episodes are dedicated to this. Um, we're going to talk about what you may not know about the college admissions process um, and, and the secrets behind them. So uh, first things first, um, school profile. So as you guys uh, submit your applications your senior year, your high school counselor, your college counselor at your high school also have to submit what is called a school profile. Dun, dun, dun. So hmm. let's just go around really quickly. Do you guys know what's on a school profile? What, what kind of information do you guys think is in a school profile? I'm going to take a wager and say the school curriculum. Very good. Like, what like, else? Like when you say school curriculum, you mean like how many AP classes? Yeah, what yes. courses are courses offered. Are offered. Mm-hmm. Honors courses Is there are offered. Is there API on there? Academic, Academic performance index. Mm-hmm. They, I'm assuming that's easy to find. Some high schools have it, some don't. Now, every school profile is fairly different. You know, not every high school you know, has the same type of profile in in terms of structure, but yes, courses. What else do you guys think that are are, are on there? Classroom or class information in terms of size, demographic ratio, student teacher ratio, demographics, demographics sometimes are on there. Mm -hmm. What about socioeconomic stuff? Sometimes, but not all the time. Um, they will have um, uh, sometimes have like clubs of different types of activities mm. that are on campus. Um, sometimes they'll have SAT and ACT average scores, mm. um, you know, statewide tests um, that they need to take uh, and the averages behind that. And some schools will even have a matriculation list. So mm. they'll have a list of schools, colleges that their high school students have um, gotten into or attended in, in the, the past. past. Yep. So like this percentage or these many students got into Princeton or UCLA. They might not or, have the percentages. They might just have the names of okay. the schools. Oh, I see. Um, but yeah, so there, there's a ton of information. The most important thing here is the more information that's on the school po- profile, the better the college admissions is going to know about where you come from. Um, you know, it's, it's not always good to keep the admissions representative guessing um, in terms of, you know, where you what what your high school is like. So really, you're a college counselor, your high school counselor should be working a lot on the school profile Um, and and a lot of this is public information in fact it is public information so if you want to know your high school profile um, if it's not on your high school website which some high schools do have it on their website you can always go to your high school counselor your school um, advisor and ask them to give you the school profile so that you know what your school is like 
Uh, Does it work the other way too, by the way, with that the colleges have a profile of the schools? So um, admissions representatives will have a general understanding. A lot of admission representatives will go on campus. They'll learn about the different types of courses that are offered. You know, admission representatives, their job is to become experts about your high school. Mm. So if they're the ones that are reviewing your high school, reviewing um, uh, students from your high school, they should know a lot about your high school and your region. What if it's a new school? So, for example, in Irvine, a new school like Portola High School came out. Very good question. They would do the same thing. Um, Again, uh, college representatives will have to do research behind that new school um, they'll know that once they have their first graduating class which has, hasn't happened yet um, they'll know that they're the first graduating class mm-hmm. um, so they'll know all of this information about your high school you they'll know more than you you think um, about your high school your region your area the demographics the people the competitive the competitiveness level um, they again they have to become experts about your school so um, why is this important why am I even talking about school profile because you know we talked earlier about you know in, in an another a previous episode about strategies in terms of college admissions and how you do in your high school is very important right if your high school has a lot of AP courses and you are not taking as many as maybe the average student in your high school that's going to show um, your level of rigor and how you compete against these students so that's why school and profile profile is important and that's another thing that goes with your application um, that your counselor sends um, to the colleges so you just need to be aware that you know they, they, they are going to know a lot of information about your high school. Um, and of course, other things that go into consideration, teacher recommendations. So I think uh, we, we did cover the teacher recs, but I do want to recap on how important it is. Um, teacher recommendations are not just the letter themselves. Uh, they also can incorporate a chart system where students ha- invite a teacher and the teacher logs in and there's this rubric that they have to fill out about the student and it goes beyond just the academic classman studentmanship kind of thing. It goes into personality. It goes into their ethical kind of actions, their perspectives, their res- sense of responsibility, um, their concern for others is, is a category that's on the chart itself. Um, a lot of parents, I think, um, rightfully so, emphasize the academic aspects. And unfortunately, sometimes that leads into not helping and realizing the student grow in terms of social ability, social maturity, um, self-responsibility. Um, a great example of this, I'm dealing with you know, several parents right now who are helicopter parents. We all know what helicopter parents are, right? Um, they're just hovering over everything. And I feel like I'm speaking more to the parents and they're applying to college as opposed to the students themselves. And the students are just kind of on the wayside. And what this does is in many ways, it doesn't teach, um, the student to take responsibility. And that can have a, 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 a noticeable effect when they are interacting with teachers in school and in class. And so that, um, seemingly mundane, monotonous day-to-day interactions with teachers, uh, it builds up and the teachers have something to say about it at the end. And I feel like ultimately it boils down to like marking on a chart. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's quantified. Yeah. And so it's, it's, I feel like, um, I see brilliant students all the time. And when I see them with excellent grades, I just hope I'm, I'm hoping that they have a great personality to come with it. Um, what I mean by that is more often than not, I see, uh, let's say, uh, a student with straight A's, top of his class. It's in 10th grade and already has this, you know, 1580 SAT score, near perfect score. But when I do an interview, initial meeting with this student, he's, his eyes are looking to the ground. His shoulders are hunched. Um, 
when I ask him about his interest and why he wants to pursue business, um, he's struggling to come up with any idea other than just staring at his parents for an answer why. You know, these kinds of things, um, they have, I think, a subtle but more impactful effect um, in the evaluation process, especially considering that the admissions process is looking for these kind of chinks in your armor kind of things. Have you been asked to write a recommendation for students? Yes, I have. So what, what do you look for? What helps you write an excellent recommendation letter for a student and what, say, turns you off? I see the, you know, the kind of the, mm -hmm. you talked about a couple of negatives, the helicopter parenting and, and the students just deferring to their parents. But what would, what should students begin to do so that a teacher might write them an excellent letter? I think that the uh, students that I have enjoyed writing letters for are the students that I've got to know just from day-to-day -day conversations. So, um, you know, we get involved here at AM beyond just the the counseling side. We also do nonprofit works and things like that to kind of encourage students to get involved. And that's my kind of mode of interacting with many of my students. And there are those who come along the bus ride to, uh, let's say, a missions trip, a volunteer trip, and they have headphones on and they're just kind of keeping to themselves. But they're then not, there are they're others, not engaged. they're not engaged. Yeah. The others, they're, they're looking around, they're asking questions. Hey, you know, how long has this establishment, this orphanage been around for and what can we do to help? Or what, what do you think we could do next time? And they're much more active and involved. There's like an intellectual spark that you can sense in some students. And it, it comes from their mannerism. It comes from what they talk about, how they talk. Um, I think if a student can show me a sense of engagement, passion, then, and I, as I think about what I'm gonna write about their letter, that's what I'm gonna try to focus on, what they're passionate about. I also focus on their growth. I focus on their ability to lead. I focus on their ability to uh, handle difficult situations, challenging situations. You know, I said in a much earlier podcast, I, I sense two types of students. The, the first type is a type that says, runs into a roadblock or a challenge and raises his hand. I need help. I don't know what to do. Versus the other saying, this seems like a challenge, but I'm going to try to figure it out. I'm going to go on Google. I'm going to look up some things and I'll try to come back to you. I mean, it's not to say they never ask for help, but they t at least take the initiative to try. And I think that notion is kind of uh, complemented by the fact that even a Stanford TED uh, admission officer speaking one time mentioned how they're looking for, do you remember the phrase? They're looking for um, growth mindset, growth mindset. Mm -hmm. And in that, um, like an action-based uh, type of student. Uh, so it, I think it's interesting how it's identified, and we've talked about this previously also, like the different types of mindsets and that you can go with. The challenge, I think, from a parenting perspective, if you have a son or daughter that has the not growth mindset, how do we, what are some tips, and maybe we can spend a podcast in the future on kind of figuring that out. Like, how do you get them, aside from just encouraging them, saying, hey, think about it, hey, go explore out here. Are there other tangible things that yeah. you can do to move a, a student in one yeah, direction? Yeah, absolutely. You know? I think that's a great topic, and I think uh, a lot of our parents, and even teachers that are tuning in, um, you know, that, that want to implement this in their classrooms, mm. um, or parents who want to do it in their, in, their, in their homes, like, I think that would be a great conversation to have um, for all of us.
Um, just in the interest of time, let's let's move on and, and kind of talk about some of the other miscellaneous things that co- college admissions is going to look for. So obviously teacher recommendations. But as Jay mentioned, you know, you, you have to show this type of mentality. There has to be a very um, positive uh, kind of uh, a growth mindset, uh, resilient, adaptable. You know, there are characteristics that college admissions is looking for through your teacher recommendations. Um, and then, of course, your personality that exudes through these teacher recommendations and interviews and, and interviews and essays um, and your personality. As I mentioned, there's top 10 types of personality traits that top mm. colleges are looking for. Mm. And we talk about this throughout um our other episodes but like i said adaptability resilience taking initiative being proactive being a leader a community um a community kind of uh a leader i guess um a supporter in that way and i think those are all things that colleges want to see because they want you to come and make an impact not just um at their school but beyond after that um, and then fit. I think this is an area that a lot of college, I mean, a lot of high school students don't realize that colleges are looking for. They don't just accept you because, you know, you have great GPA and great everything else. They're, they're looking for fit. Um, and each college has their own type of personality, right? And personalities that they're looking for in terms of students. So let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So college fit and, and, and the college themes are very important. I think, Jay, you mentioned colleges are looking for chinks in the armor mm-hmm. and at the at the, the higher levels it's really important to see so you're you're evaluated on a variety of dozens of, of, of themes and topics as a student mm-hmm. as an individual some colleges are small liberal arts they have a really high local presence some are really broad national schools research institutions some have a global presence and those elements in your armor your students application armor will come come about and it's got to match somewhat yeah because because it will you know the the admissions officers or the admissions committee will start making notations on hey this student you know didn't wasn't involved a lot in extracurricular activities or this teacher recommendation didn't have um works well with others and so the school Mm -hmm. has this collaborate collaborative uh type of atmosphere where they work in groups they work in research projects or they do high level uh volunteer activities in the community Mm -hmm. they're going to take something's not aligned there there's a misalignment that happens so then those notations get marked on your application and it can have an impact on uh, some of your admissions to some schools. So uh, the question I get, so colleges have themes. How do I find out what their theme is? How do I know that I fit with their theme? Yeah, it, it's it's very open. Uh, and it's on publications, on their websites, they, they, their mission statements. And you can tell immediately uh, if, a, if a school has a broad uh, presence globally or internationally and uh, mm-hmm. uh, in the community. Uh, and again, you got to take a lot of that with a grain of salt because they are marketing yeah uh, uh, pages and, and and publications so they want as many applicants to apply because they get a fee for that and they get that's another revenue stream for them so you got to sort of separate the um the signal from the noise yeah like, there's gonna be a lot of noise out there and you got to kind of find the the right areas yeah i want to give an example of that so um some campuses like nyu or yale they have uh schools that are abroad um so yale has nus um you know nyu has single uh no uh shanghai um abu dhabi um some of these other programs that they offer um in their, in their campuses abroad um and on your application you'll write you know are you interested in in some of these other programs are you interested and applying to Yale News um, and US as well. And, uh, and, and when they're looking for fit, they're looking for students who have either A, had international experience, so you've gone abroad before and have done things internationally, or B, you have the 
the the kind of mentality to go internationally and do work internationally um, and so that's a way in which you can find out you know fit you know do these schools offer programs or do they have a global presence um, some colleges might it might be harder for you to find the the personality or um, their characteristics but I do agree with you Pankaj I, I think as long as you kind of do the research and you go on campus you meet with alumni you talk to people that are going attending the university um, you'll really be able to understand that there's a very uh, uh, sim a lot of similarities amongst the people that, that attend the university yeah. and one more point on, on what you mentioned Jenny I think the examples you gave were great um, but a lot of times you know students and families may not have the economic means to go internationally or travel yeah. they may never have left their town or their state yeah and so but you can you can demonstrate that desire and passion in other ways like joining the international club exactly or joining model un at your, at your school campus Absolutely. your high school campus and so that that you can represent that, that you know i want to spread my wings and i want to go far but yeah. I just, you know those kind of subtle things can can overcome when you haven't had a international experience yeah, or something like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so on that, let's talk about this demonstrated interest. How do you demonstrate interest? What is demonstrated interest? Um, and so, you know, for the most part, demonstrated interest is shown through interviews or campus tours or college representative interactions um, with college info sessions. Basically, colleges want to know that you've done your part to figure out about the school. How do you know that you want to attend our school if you've never even learned about it, if you never went out of your way to either go and tour it or you know um, or go to an info session or talk to alumni um, and so that they're looking for that they're looking for demonstrated interest and that's why a lot of colleges have the why this college in their um, essay prompt right when you're writing essays for col college applications they'll say why this college um, and you'll be able to talk to them like hey I went to this campus tour or, or talk to this college representative or you know I know a lot of alumni that attended there and I know that this is what I want or um, th this type of community that I want or things like that so that's very beneficial um, and then socioeconomic status, you know, nationality, residency, financial aid requests. Some colleges are need blind. They're not need blind. They might take this into consideration um, when they're choosing you as a student. And unfortunately, that is the reality of, you know, th colleges are also businesses. Um, they're looking to make sure that they, they have the best students that attend the school. But at the same time, um, you know, they, they want to make sure that their resources uh, and, and fiscal kind of responsibility for, for their universities is taken into consideration do you guys have anything on socioeconomic? i just want to clarify that point so so you can as parents and as students you could go online you could look up what schools are need blind and there's different kind of variations of how need blind they are for quick, international quick domestic need blind need blind question being will asking for financial aid affect my admission decision it's as simple as i could say it right Many schools, you want to look them up. Um, I would argue a uh, majority of the ones in maybe the top 50, top 100 will have some sort of an impact. It's very rare that they're completely need blind. In fact, if you look online today, I think there's only seven or eight schools that are completely officially need blind wow. um, for all students, international and domestic. Mm -hmm. um, and whether you're an international student, domestic student, whether you're on a green card or whether you're a residency, you know, uh, for state of California public school systems, um, that all comes into play. Mm -hmm. And so as parents, um, I would highly suggest that if you aren't aware of your financial circumstances or whether you're going to be applying for financial aid or not, before you check mark the yes, I would like financial aid mark that almost every supplemental college application has, do some research, mm -hmm. see if it'll be, did, you have to do a cost-benefit analysis. So, so back in the day, the financial aid aspect 
at least colleges and universities would say don't impact your admission yeah. rate. I mean, that, that, at least that was the marketing thing mm -hmm. that they would say. Mm -hmm. um, but it sounds like the, there is now um, publishable kind of things where you can look up and, and find out with whether these schools are, in fact, need blind or not. Correct. More so mm -hmm. today. So um, it's sad to say, I wish that we can get to a point in the future where your financial circumstance don't, does not. But with college tuition as high as it is, it's, <laughs> it's almost like everyone's going to request for financial aid or mm -hmm. at least 99% or 97%, mm -hmm. you know, it just seems like it. So it depends on the school. Uh, be advised that it may affect your admission chances. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then legacy, legacy and sibling factors. Oh, yeah. Unfortunately, um, siblings don't count in legacy. So if you have an older brother, an older sister that is attending a university and you think that would give you an edge in admissions, um, doesn't count as legacy, so, unfortunately. One, one thing I remember being on Hopkins's undergrad campus is I noticed a lot of siblings. Mm -hmm. And my, my younger brother went to, went to Hopkins mm -hmm. and uh, I, I told my parents, like, he should go someplace else, you know, he shouldn't kind of say because it's almost like a crush. Stay but it, away. I, yeah, I get the practical reasons of, you know, having, um, especially when we're, you know, 3,000 miles away from yeah. the parents. So, like, they want us to be together and, and this and that. But I noticed a lot of siblings and I always wondered if, you know, the sibling applicant kind of uh, helps at private schools, perhaps. Yeah. I know Legacy does because of the endowments that these private schools depend yeah. on. Like you said earlier, Jenny, it is a business and they rely on this money for scholarships, yeah. for funding different yeah. departments and this and that. Um, but I don't know the sibling factor, if it's even um, published or anything. But I always thought that private schools sort of give a little nudge to younger siblings, brother, you know, brothers and sisters that apply to the same school to to give like a family discount or something <laughs> keeping the family together you know? mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's interesting you say that because you know we've had a lot of students who applied their siblings applied to the same school and, they and, in, and then right? they didn't get in oh they yeah didn't yeah they so didn't. so so yeah i mean i've always known uh, you know through my experience that uh it didn't siblings mm -hmm. don't make that much of a difference but you're right maybe you know some admissions take into consideration perhaps you mm -hmm. know just to like you said keep the family together you have to you have to meet a certain standard though right GPA, right exactly. Wise. exactly i think if you check off all the boxes yeah. the, the fundamental criteria that you talked about in the beginning i think then that helps your chances yeah later. it's not it's not just like yeah. you you know you're a sibling so yeah. you, so you get the and the legacy bit i was wondering you know if you're if you're an alumni of an institution you don't donate and you don't give on their quarterly or monthly solicitations for didn't leave like, much of a legacy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> do these schools go? Eh, nah. We'll pass on you. A mu order? Oh, they've been ignoring all of our emails recently. We'll That's show funny. him. Yeah. Um, One okay. thing yeah. I'm curious about, because just because we have a couple sets of twins. Yeah. How are twins viewed? Say you have, say me and Punky are twins mm -hmm. and we apply together. That'll be interesting. And Punky, <laughs> <laughs> Punky has a 4.0 and I have a 3.7. But like, would they accept one You're the and bad not brother. the other? Right. That, yeah, that's, ha that's, <laughs> that's happened before. We've had twins before and um, had one twin that was, you know, a, a little bit more academically, you know, uh, competitive than than another twin, and and that twin got accepted, and the other twin did it. Sibling rivalry, and th that's like another <laughs> thing that you need to consider because sometimes twins they have a really good relationship, and so they do everything together. So their their application is almost identical, identical just yeah. like them. <laughs> so you know, so I don't know. You have to take all of those into considerations. I, mm. you know. I'm sure that the admissions representative would look at that. We're, they're people too, you know. We're we've are read they? applications too, <laughs> um, and and said, hey, you know what? These are twins. Like, 
you know, would we feel badly about one not being accepted? But you can't really consider that when you're making a logical kind of kind of. Decision. So being a twin doesn't really increase your chances, I think. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So so parents out there don't try to go and, and get quadruplets. So and yeah. punky, punky couldn't have like pulled me up. <laughs> yeah yeah i don't i don't think it really works like that you would have you know? pulled me up on the you, basketball squad you you would have you would have pulled him down how about that um and then of course colleges are also looking for that uniqueness factor after admissions reads thousands and hundreds of thousands and tens of thousands applications they're going to look for someone who stands out right naturally so if you're a student that goes to a certain high school and you're doing a lot of the same things that other high school students are doing you don't have that kind of color that uniqueness factor um that could potentially hurt your chances of acceptance right so um, uniqueness factor could go into the hook your blue chip athlete um, you know national international competitions you know uh, what, what what other things do you guys think yeah awards um, maybe family background or kind of your story behind that all of those kind of count as the uniqueness factor um, which is which is naturally what college admissions is going to be looking for and that's one of the things that we try to identify in a student as soon as they begin to begin with am is what makes you unique or what can we develop what skill set do you have that we can develop to make you unique and and one of the things that we've been working on with students is independent projects yeah right because they they like that go-getter sort of entrepreneurial mindset where you you know say a kid really likes uh designing well, we can then get him to design his own clothes on, say, Etsy, and now he has a budding his own business company, as yeah. a 16-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah. Right? That stuff's awesome. So you don't need to be – you look at basketball players. You don't need to be 6'8", 220, doing 360 dunks when you're 15. Like, you can make your hook. Right. Although that, you would, can although that would that. be awesome. Although that, that, <laughs> that does not hurt. And for our athletes out there, I mean, there is a reason. And colleges look at what makes you unique. Like, you look at Russell Westbrook, for example. Went to UCLA, had offers from Stanford, academically – couldn't get into Stanford if he wasn't a blue chip athlete. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. He's a smart guy, yeah. not Stanford smart. Yeah. But because he has that unique factor, that hook, which in his case was athletics, he got offers from any school he wanted to go to. You can do the same thing by developing your hook just as he did with basketball. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so let's do just some quick case study roundtable. Um, I just want to kind of get pick your guys' brains on why you think these students got accepted or rejected. So let's start with our first case study. So there's a student, um, a pretty typical kind of student, 3.7 GPA, unweighted, 1420 SAT1, took four AP courses in their high school career, got threes on all of their AP exams. Um, but this person got accepted to all of their top, not all of their top 20 schools, a lot of the top 20 schools, including schools like Johns Hopkins, um so and and georgetown and vanderbilt so let's talk about this a little bit what do you guys think you know when when a student comes like this and they they did get accepted to a lot of the top 20 schools what are your immediate thoughts as to you know like how how did the student do that so my first thought is exactly that how uh if you're aiming for top 20s with a 3.7 unweighted gpn and a 1420 sat score i would I would wager you're kind of either in the median or below. So we need more information. He's he or she has done something incredible. I would have to say either mm-hmm. in the extracurricular activities. I mean, the essay had to be uh, tied as well. Um, so going into the miscellaneous secrets. Yeah. Um, I'd be curious if their high school, how many APs they offer. If they offer like six or seven. So the context, of four, the, the context. The context of, of their of their of, of of where they came from, upbringing. Right. You know, it took advantage of opportunities. I, I'd be interested in that. But even then, with threes on the AP exam, it's just, it's to me, academically, this is a successful application, given that what I mean by successful, 
uh, he or she reached higher than their academic expectation and was able to receive some acceptances. Mm -hmm. So when someone is academically beneath that expectation, how do they mitigate that? How do they reach success? They kind of prop up the other side of the admission process, mm -hmm. which would be, remember, first side is GPA test scores, your academics. The second side is the holistic aspect, mm -hmm. the essays, the extracurriculars, the teacher recommendations, and the interviews. So I'm going to argue somewhere on the second half, the holistic side, they did something incredible. The hook, mm -hmm. the theme, the strategy, yeah. the essays. And we, we also consider, you know, socioeconomic status, you know, fit. Um, those are all things, you know, legacy. We, we would also consider all of those. Mm -hmm. um, okay, what about our second student? High achieving academic student, 4.0 GPA, unweighted, 1530 SAT 1, nine AP courses in their high school career, fours and fives on all of their AP exams. They were rejected to the top 15 schools. A robot. Um, so, <laughs> okay, yeah, that's a very good thought. I, I would, I would say, like, is this person just someone who studies? Right? They mm -hmm. don't, they don't do anything else. They're not involved in their community. Um, what else? What are, what so, are some so other? We're pointing thoughts? to balance, right? Mm -hmm. Is it not just it's two academic? sides of the same coin? You got to have, you know, both sides. The academics and just as the first case study was misaligned, something didn't seem right. This one also was misaligned in a different way. Okay. You know, high academics, but do we know the extracurriculars? Were they a leader in leadership positions? Did they, you know, was it one or two or three extracurriculars, something like that? Here's something I would want to point to before I like jump into uh, any formalities here. I, I think the first question I asked would be what was his major? Because oftentimes there are impacted majors that even with these scores, it's just the name of the game that if you're trying to apply for bioengineering at Stanford, even with these specs, you are still in the 50% top margin. The meeting, yeah. So you how like that you, major angle, yeah. don't you? How you <laughs> contextualize academics can be um, influenced by the major selection. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing I'd want to look into, I mean, great grades, test scores, where would I look at next? I'd probably look at the essays. I'd look at the teacher recommendations, and I'd probably look into the interviews. Obviously, teacher recs and interviews, we may, may not be able to get the full picture and understand there's like confidentiality. You're not allowed to see the letters when you send them, things like that. Um, and there's also the notion you have to kind of contend. Some parents and students will come in and say, oh, no, it's definitely not the teacher recommendations because we know. Mm -hmm. We know the teachers, mm -hmm. and the teachers will write amazingly. But more often than not, that's not true. Mm -hmm. If we see the actual teacher recs, they can be rather, well, what they're supposed to be, very objective. Blunt. Here are his strengths. Yeah. Here are his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes um, I, I run into a lot of experiences where parents are trying to justify or try to make sense of these results. And they're like, no, it can definitely not be the teacher Rex, but do you really know that's the case? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, when I see this case study number two, my knee jerk reaction is I need to meet with the student to get a sense of the student's personality. I need to get a sense of how he or she interacts, behaves, engages in conversations, mm -hmm. um, because that can have a, a tangible effect in the holistic aspects, the essays, the teacher Rex, the interviews. Mm -hmm. All right, so let's do final advice. Um, and this is actually going to go in our Instagram story. So for those of you who are following us on Instagram, we'll actually be doing final advice um, video style and also radio style. <laughs> um, so, I like a tripod, actually. Oh, thank it's you. It's a very nice tripod. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um, all right, so final advice for students in terms of conquering college admissions practices and conquering the miscellaneous secrets and going through all of that to uh, have the best chance possible in their dream college are you guys ready yes are you ready we'll go oh. this way okay so wait wait ready go all right so um <laughs> my advice would be um to be genuine in your interest to treat education not as a chore but an opportunity to prove yourself and grow okay um i'd say from there um 
try not to try not to focus on just the academics. Uh, I want you to realize that when you're applying for college, you're trying to sell who you are and what you stand for. Um, I'm working with students in terms of the essay. In fact, Counselor Travis and I, we had some essay workshops. We're starting to help juniors how to write personal statements, things like that. And more often than not, the students come to us without any story. And so start thinking about your story of what you can convey. That was good. I, uh, you actually got cut off multiple times, but that's okay. We, <laughs> we try to make it work. Um, all right. My advice on how to conquer the college admissions process. The, the first thing, and this is, I think, the chief difference between our case study one and two, is to really tap into your human side, right? So the first reaction to case study two, which was all those phenomenal test scores and everything, was, is this a robot? Colleges don't want to accept robots, right? College application essays are not going to be great when they're written by robots. Teacher recommendations, that would be the one thing I would point to for number two, is that the only way this student was probably rejected by all those schools those teacher recs had to be had to have red flags mm -hmm. all over them mm. right yep. but you look at case study one which was my case in high school right i was good not great academically but i got into all the schools that i applied to really because i took the extra time just to talk to my teachers just to ask them how their day was not in a brown nosing way i was just curious about how they were just being a good human being right and i, I think that when you do that you get the teacher recs that can push you over we had a student get mm. into stanford who got her rec letter by her principal who had never written a recommendation letter in his life mm. that's like an x factor mm -hmm. right that's what you're looking for that's your hook that's what pushes you over the edge and the last thing i would say is the demonstrated interest portion students don't understand the importance of this enough we'll have students come in to write essays why they want to go to this college let's say lsu and they'll say i don't know <laughs> my, my mom said it was a top 20. Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, write that in an essay and see what happens. <laughs> see how far you'll when get. When you really want to go to a school, when you have that passion and it comes across in your Y College essay, that's going to push you over the edge. Schools don't want to accept kids who are just like, well, I want to go here because you have my major and uh, that's great. Right? They want to go to a school that you took the time to visit. You can set the scene on campus. You can tell them exactly who you want to learn under what you want to develop while you're there, what clubs you're going to get into, how you're going to leave the campus a better place. So develop your interest in the college itself. And if that means applying to less schools, just to concentrate on the ones you really want to go to, do that. That's the Jerry Maguire less is more type deal. Um, and just be, be a good human being. Get those teacher recs. Nice. Awesome. I'll keep mine short and to the point. Yeah, conquering I, I, missions. Uh, I, I, I right. had to. Uh, 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 you were also cut off for multiple times, so that's okay. All right, here Jenny's we go. still figuring out how to how to <laughs> use their tripod in the video. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm gonna use a combination of Jay and Travis's. I mean, it's it's really, really one side of the coin is being balanced. I think Jay even mentioned that just be a balanced student. We talked about a couple dozen factors mm. over the years and, and and podcast episodes, and they're from graduating priorities. Um, of course, getting your foot in the door academically and all those things, all the way down to legacy, socioeconomic status, and all those other factors. So there's a lot, but it's best to just be a balanced student mm. and steady growth. Every month, every year, you should show steady growth of independence, of maturity, uh, and, and those kind of initiative, those kind of factors. And then soundboarding off Travis's uh, tips and how to conquer, um, just be a good human being. I love that. You said that a couple times on other podcasts. Just be a good human being, be inquisitive, uh, be interested, be engaged. I think, you know, mm -hmm. Jay, you mentioned that too. Mm -hmm. So it, it, <laughs> when it comes down to it, it boils down to very simple things. 
And you don't want to make, you know, you don't want to boil the ocean here. You just want to be um, the simple things that, 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 that contribute to maturity and growth of an individual. That would make for a good applicant in my, in my mind, broadly speaking. Yeah. Excellent. Um, okay. So on the, in the interest of time, I am not going to go. You guys pretty much covered everything uh, that I wanted to say. That's not fair. I wanted to video you. <laughs> no, it's my tripod. You can't video me. <laughs> um, so before we go on to answer some of the questions from our listeners, we just wanted to say thank you again for listening to our podcast and to subscribe and follow us on the podcast app if you have an iPhone. Um, we did launch our Instagram, the Hall Pass Podcast. I know there's a lot of people out there that have been following us. Um, all of you teachers out there that gave us a shout out and said that you shared our podcast with your classes, just thank you so much um, for that. Yay, we, we're, we're hoping um, to get this information out there and, you know, um, for for all of us like high school and middle school teachers who want, you know, the, the best and, and kind of attaining higher education for um, your students, um, uh, we would love for you to share uh, our podcast with them. And if you missed any of our episodes, you can find it on iTunes or www.thehallpasspodcast.com. Um, just wanted to cover one really quick question uh, from a student. The, the student said that, you know, I got into UC Berkeley, but I got rejected from UC Davis. Why did I get into a supposedly better school, but not the one with lower ranking and higher admissions rates? Um, and so, you know, this is something that's happened this year. Uh, uh, unfortunately, a lot of students have been kind of inquiring about the same situation. We had a student who got into um, Stanford early, but then got rejected to UC Irvine. Um, and so she was, you know, a little bit confused as to what's kind of going on there. So um, we were uh, work together as a team to debunk this mystery um mm. and i'll let uh, jay and punkage kind of talk well, about just, that well, before jay gets into it i just really wanted to say that student was not good enough for irvine i'm sorry to say <laughs> <laughs> no, period just, period, go, go, Joe, jay. period. So, so we're getting these emails right of the results and we call them let's we call what do we call it? like staggered results con conflicting conflicting yeah, conflict. results paradoxical results. so paradoxical results um uh, we have parents emailing, you know, saying, hey, uh, what's going on here? We should appeal this because we clearly got into this and this school. And I want to go to Irvine instead of Stanford. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, and it, 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 it I feel like it. people haven't you know, we haven't fully conveyed our message yet that the admission process is not just about academics. There's a holistic process. There is a fit. There's a personality type. There's majors. Um, and so. I, instead of boiling into everything, uh, let's just kind of hit four main points that I'd say about this. Firstly, it's about acceptance distribution. Um, there are some programs like in the CSUs that are starting up now and the UCs historically that would, in a conglomerate sense, say, hey, we're going to accept this student because by state law, any UC student eligible applicant nine percentile needs to be able to go to a UC. So um, there's internal dialogue between the UCs and that's how they distribute the acceptances. Uh, so we call that acceptance distribution. Um, not all schools have this kind of conglomerate system, but if they do, then this is a reality. Um, there's also yield protection. There's um, schools that have this uh, sense of saying, hey, even if we give you the acceptance, we know you're not going to come. In, mm -hmm. in a sense, you can say that they recognize the student to be overqualified. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem, too, because when a school gives out an acceptance and the student doesn't accept that yield percentage isn't high, that can be detrimental to the statistics of how they look. Um, that can go into some calculations in terms of their rankings as well. So it's kind of like luxury brands. They want to keep a certain sense of exclusivity. If they're just giving out candy to everyone, then it it kind of lowers their quality, their value. Mm -hmm. And so more and more schools are starting to kind of play that game of yield protecting. 
Um, another thing would be just the simple fact that there are more applicants. What was it? Twelve percent increase at UC Riverside. Twelve percent. UCR was the highest. Twelve point two percent. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, I think across the board, it's like eight to twelve percent increase of just this year That's alone. A lot of growth. And then you have to beg the question: Then was there, has there been any kind of word about? a uh, 12% increase in the amount of classrooms Probably that they're going to offer, mm -hmm. positions that they're going to offer. And so you'll often find that the rate of uh, applicant growth is more than the rate of the actual classroom facility institutional growth. Mm. And so that's where you run into kind of a, a kind of a traffic jam situation. And so for those reasons, we are getting these very, quote unquote, wonky results. Wonky. Wonky. <laughs> I like that. I like that word. Um, oh, awesome. Thank you so much for that, Jay. Um, so thanks for tuning in on season three, episode five. Um, I do want to mention just really quickly that we will be taking a quick hiatus break from the Ooh. month of April, um, just because we want to take some time and doing some new developments for you guys. We want to get aggregate some new data um, for our students who have gotten accepted. We want to kind of up grade um, our podcast a little bit we have new things that are coming up new giveaways that we're planning for um, so with all of that we we're, we're trying to up upgrade and update um, our our podcast for all of you listeners who have been tuning in uh, week by week so um, we'll be back the first week of May uh, we're very very excited to come with new data and new information for all of you um, love 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 for you to send us an email check us out on Instagram um, direct message us on Instagram send us um, suggestions yeah send us suggestions for general topics or questions you might want us to cover um, our email address is the hall pass podcast at gmail.com <laughs> <laughs> never gets any, old never if, gets old <laughs> if you have any college essays that you want us to review or just anything that you want us to review on your process um, in terms of college admissions i know some people sent us college lists that they wanted us to look at to be like is this a good list for me um and yeah we love that we love that so please make sure that you continue um to interact with us we love the interactions and we'll see you the first week of may Bye-bye. See ya. Later.